Hey everyone, I'm Moi. And I'm Chris, and welcome to DocuSweeties. We're two longtime friends who discuss the riveting and sometimes trashy world of reality TV and docuseries. Yes, but it's, it's through our own lens, which can be very salty, more salty, sometimes even saltier, and the saltiest thing you've ever heard in your whole life, and maybe at the very end of it, a moment of sweetness. We'll see. Yeah, you're going to really need some water with how salty it is. Um, so what we're talking about is 90 Day Fiance, Happily Ever After, Season 7, Episode 20, The Tell All No Limits Part 3. Yeah, but actually, <laughs> please have a limit, and have a limit on Ed. Because you know what? Nature put a limit on Ed. Nature gave him a stature, honey, of four feet, two inches. And I don't understand why the producers think they're going to go against nature and give us so much Ed when God himself was like, we don't need that much of him. Wow, that was a super hot take, Chris. I hate it. I hate it so much. I just like, I'm so upset. This is now three, episode three, part three of this stupid ass, long ass tell all, honey. And we have so much of Ed and Liz who shouldn't be on the show because they're two dumb Americans in a toxic relationship that I wouldn't even want to see in, in real life in my first, in my, in my own life. And I don't want to see it on TV. I'm just like so mad. I mean, we really have to get over it. Don't worry. But however, you're mad too. You're like, I can't believe I have to watch so much of this. And I can't believe this is what's happening. And all I will say is that they must have paid these people so much money for the work they're doing to really like get drama and get questions answered that like I guess you know is Sean taking less money I don't know I don't know the answer I what I took from this tell-all is nothing I mean the only thing I can say was that that was slightly interesting only because it made me very uncomfortable is when we had the conversation with Bilal, Shida, Chris, and Utris. That portion of it, I had so many, so much problems with it. Like there was a lot of like things that I'm working through in my life. Um, <laughs> but anyways, let's begin at the beginning. Uh, Angela comes into the room and tells Ed that she's very disappointed in him. And like, who the fuck are you to even have any kind of gall and tenacity to believe that your disappointment on anyone but them grandbabies you have means anything. So there's that. And then Ed is like, I don't know how to be in a relationship. And we're like, shut up. And everyone kind of gangs up on Ed. And then Bilal comes from out of somewhere and says, um, you know, when someone tells you how they're feeling, you should say, yeah, babe, this is how you're, this is great. I, I, I hear what you're saying. I understand that I'm making you feel terrible. Um, but don't put it back on her. And I said, Bilal, you literally do that every single time Shada tells you anything about how she's feeling. You, you immediately tell her not only is she's wrong, but she's ruining your day. She's, she's ruining your experience by sharing her feelings with you. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, it, it is just like, it's just really wild. And like Angela's bottom teeth are dentures. And I just keep waiting for them to fly out of her saliva filled, disgusting mouth. Yeah, I don't know if they're actually, it's saliva-filled mouth because she barely drinks water and there's so much smoke going in enough. I'm sure it's dry. I think it's dry. I think those like dentures are glued in, honey. You know, we'll see. But yeah, it obviously makes her telling anything to anyone about getting new teeth horrible. Also, Angela saying, I'm very disappointed in you, Ed, is like, well, did you also say the same thing to Scotty when she was arrested? And did you feel bad for Scotty's victim when you say like, can you imagine how that person's feeling? I don't know, Angela. Here's the thing. I'm mad. You know, like I'm mad this is happening to us and I will say it's easy to you know it's this is what it's interesting it's one thing if you share your whole life on camera and we're all witnessed to all of your mistakes and foibles and it's another thing if your job is to like tell people how to live and then like those things are incongruous you know what I'm saying like Kim Kardashian can't hold a, host a talk show about like family dynamics. You know what I'm saying? Like, honey, you've been married one billion times, and I don't see like you know bringing that finger. I don't think it's happening for you. Now I'm not saying I'm not going to either, but it's it's like you have to pick and choose if you're going to show us your mistakes as a human or whether you want to give us any sort of advice on our lives. And these people have already picked the one, and the fact that they're now being forced to give opinions on each other when they themselves are just 
mistakes. I mean, you know, just wild atrocity. Atrocic. Is atrocic a word? But it shouldn't it like the adjective of atrocity? No, it isn't. Atrocious. Yeah, atrocious. Well, atrocity is an event. Like, and then so atrocious. Yes, that's the word. Mm -hmm. Okay, got it there. Okay, so here's the thing. So basically, yes, we are having the tail end of the rooftop night of still part sorry day one at the at, at the beginning of this tell all part three okay and people are gonna start going to bed you know people like Bilal and Shida are like honey get, get us back to room 1609 that's our room we're going in so we have this conversation with Kim where she talks about Usman versus Soldier Boy. Like Usman is the person that she talks with every night on the phone and Soldier Boy is the persona. And then she says that uh, she's going to, I'm going to wreck that set. I'm going to go Tasmanian devil in that bitch. And I'm like, you're not going to do any of those things. You know how much, I mean, if you follow me, you know how much I hate when people say they're going to do something or that they're going to behave a certain way that is like wild or untoward. And then when it comes down to it, they're, they, they don't. I'm like, no, no, no. I need you to, to put that cat back in its cage if it's not going to actually do anything. Stop doing that. Um, so then we have a conversation between Shy and Yara where Yara basically says, I'm going to, I got I have your back. Um, that's the wrong accent. That was like, yeah, that was a little bit of an Andre. She like yeah. tried to make a Yara Andre. I did. A Andre. I, I was just trying to get out <gasps> the Eastern European. Yandre. Give Yandre? me a something. Yandre. I tried to do that. Yeah. And so then um, she says, if something coming to attack you, I am backing you. That's still bad. And um, so <laughs> Shy is like, yeah, girl, I have your back as well. That was that was good. That was good. That was good. That was good. Why is doing the Lord's work right now? Uh, yeah. Uh, there's. I, I wrote down some things. Ra's going to like what, later on, Wa wrote down a phrase that uh, Shy says to someone. And it really is bananas. But um, yeah, Yara, you know, Yara, all I can, and we'll get into like Yara's like version of, Listen, Yar is from Europe, so she can say it your rope if she rope? wants to. Yeah. Your rope. I realize it sounds like she's saying your rope as fast as you can. I love living in US, but also your rope. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So um yeah. So Shy then there is a conversation Shy has with yeah, Yara where, you know, like I had, you know, yeah. That Shy wants to say that when Angela came at Yara during the like, yeah, meeting. girl, I had your back. That's I said again because I was really proud of myself. Um, so anyways, they have a conversation where Yara's like, Yeah, Ed is so short, so like, why do they call him Big Ed? Ha 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 ha. And then they're like, We let's go back to the room and uh everybody get some sleep because we have to be on set at 7:45 in the morning. So cut to 7:45 the next morning. Um, and but Shy is talking to someone in that green room about like Ed and how she, you know she didn't like him, but then she's like, But then Bilal made me see mm -hmm. that Liz kind of attack his manhood. Mm -hmm. And at first I was like, do you mean that she has said out loud to numerous, numerous people that he has a tiny penis or just, or are we naming masculinity? And that's where I get uncomfortable again. Um, like, I don't like this idea of, of like everyone with a penis has this masculinity that can be like taken down when it's, I just want everyone to be equal. So is there something that I'm, that is there a way to steal a woman's femininity? Like it just, it doesn't, it doesn't equate to me. So like, I, I would say yes. You know, I, oh I believe God. that there ever, there's not, there's not a way of saying, yeah. Like I think that if a man, I think that if a man requires his woman to work in the house and outside of the house and doesn't account for her wanting to treat herself well and wanting to like take care of herself. Th those are those things that make that and have moments of softness and, and, and rest. I think that those are the moments in which you make a female who, who, who wants to sit in her feminine, you know, gender. I mean, not, you know, really sit in it if you are, you are comfortable doing that i think those are ways in which you can steal that uh or you try or you try to but of course no one can steal anything unless you give it to them the truth of the matter is i will also have a lot of issues with this conversation and the thing about it is obviously Bilal and ed have hooked up and i said this before in last episode they hooked up honey like 
just two peas, you know, in a pod wanting like protection from each other from the, the onslaughts. Women. Yeah, the onslaughts of the women in their life. And and so there is this like bro code that really happens between Ed and Bilal and mostly on Ed's side in a weird fan type win. But you can tell in this moment that Bilal has done some work to also, yeah, like get shy to have empathy for Ed. And but what the thing about it is no one should have empathy for Ed because em- because for some reason Ed thinks he can treat people crazily and he is not in the position and god didn't make him any sort of position to do that that's what makes me so upset we can go into this more yeah i mean i i i guess i just get annoyed when thing when when women get blamed for the reason why they don't have partners because they are emasculating of men and the word to emasculate is not gender-based. That is a gender-neutral term. But for whatever reason, like women directly saying what they want is somehow attributed to attacking a person with a penis who who matches with that gender identification, like is automatically given something. And if it gets taken away by a woman, specifically by a woman, then it's like the worst crime. I don't know. I don't know how to d- explain what I'm saying. But anyways, so Shada is like um, telling Jenny, that's who she's talking to, that um, that Liz came with some low blues. And I was just like, oh, God, shut up. Don't feed into this, Shida, because this same thing is what makes him feel like he can't tell you how much is in his bank account. And, that, and I guess that's what it is. Like, I feel like it's the same concept um, for me. I do. But, you know, so she's like she says <laughs> they keep putting subtitles on her. And I for a yeah. while was a little offended because I'm like, you can hear you understand what she's saying, but you're right, maybe you can't. And so then she says, she says, but gal, you have a spit fire when you're talking to these Lambi people. And I'm like, at first I thought she said bad gal. <laughs> like she was like bad gal riri. I was like, the one thing that Jenny is not is a bad gal. So like basically, and also Shida is a hypocrite too, because she loves to say, you have to do all this stuff. You have to do all this stuff, but she only feels empowered to tell Bilal things, at least from our perspective, when she has an audience, mm-hmm. like it, it, it's like when she's at home, it feels like she might not have these conversations with him. Maybe because she's worried that he'll just shut down and not talk to her for three days in a row, which again is, is, is a part of his like, just, it's just toxic masculinity to me. It all become that patriarchal nonsense is toxic masculinity. But anyways, so then she's like, you have to talk to them, them people is offer to run you over like a tractor. And I'm like, wow, what an interesting turn of phrase, like run you over like a tractor. Like what? I mean, it's relevant. However, like most Americans, not, I shouldn't say that. Um, the kind of like the kind of American Jenny is <laughs> being from like San Diego and Palm Springs, like a tractor. She's probably never met, you know? Like tractor's not a part of her daily life to use that as a like uh, I but babe, I think she definitely understands what that means over what Lambie people. I mean, you know, like she got that part. She definitely got the tractor part, honey. You know, like I I wonder if Jenny was like, What? What am I what the people? I know Jenny didn't understand one word that woman said that whole time. Okay, I gotta get the Lambie people. You're right. Get the Lambie people. <laughs> oh my god so they're still in the green room and then kimberly comes in and then they're all talking and then ed wants to make himself relevant again so he's like listen kim kimberly you act like your shit doesn't stink and then kimberly's like no my shit stinks and then i'm just like i now have a vision of everyone's shit and what it smells like and i'm not interested in that from either of these people mine's baccarat rouge it smells like baccarat rouge (laughs) uh you know like and sometimes a little bit of gina tay I don't know what either of those things smell like, but I'm sure they smell great. Well, and here's the thing. There's like a couple of listeners right now that got that reference and they're really happy about it. Okay, good. They're happy. Great. Anyway, so yeah, uh, getting back to this thing. um, You know, like uh, then Andre in the cast talk more, you know, like and they're going back and forth now between like showing us what they talked about and like it's just, I mean, it's like it's such a messy not very linear way of like storytelling as well as what they're trying to do is like 
prepare us for the fights that are going to happen by even giving us like shy in this conversation. It's like, oh yes, you know, like when I, last time Bilal and I were here in New York, like you made me cry in the bridge. And she was almost like telling us this like last time in New York. It's like, yeah, girl, we know, you know what I'm saying? Like, I just remember being like, wow, these people really are getting paid so much to do the Lord's work. I mean, it is over and over again. Ed's like, well, she, I, she, I was, uh, uh, <laughs> you're the note here. Ed sits on the couch and it's too cramped. Oh, I was, no, yeah. You see that moment? Like, why? Like, yeah. sometimes I was like, there's four, there's a tiny yeah. couch, and like, Andre and Jenny are sitting on this couch, and one other person, and it's like, there's not room for you, Ed, even though no, you're it's, you think you're tiny. You're not a throw, you're not a throw pillow. It's Ed, Bilal, Shy, Jenny, and maybe Yara has squeezed, or Jovi or Yara, one of them is, sque- is squeezed in there as well. Um, and so then they, then they have this whole conversation where they he argues with uh Kim and uh he she's like, Well, you said shitty things to me too, and everyone has said shitty things to you, Ed. And why are you picking on me? And he's like, Well, you started it. And I'm like, he's picking on you because he's identified you as someone of in his in his uh age range and someone that listen, Ed is a bully because mm-hmm. he's been bullied his entire time, mm-hmm. his entire life. Mm-hmm. And so he's always gonna go after women. And mm-hmm. I feel like maybe the main reason he didn't go after Jenny earlier was because Jenny hadn't really said anything, mm-hmm. but he's going to go, he's not going to go after Yara because she's beautiful. And like, that is, that is what I'm seeing. He doesn't go after shy because, and he's never called her a gold digger to her face. He said that when she wasn't there, but then when he made this pact with Bilal, all of a sudden he's not tell, calling shy a gold digger. But I think he determines whether or not he feels like the woman is pretty or something, some misogynistic patriarchy nonsense that makes sense for him. Because like Jovi went after him and he hasn't said anything to Yara, but he also knows that you, I, I, I just listen. He's You're right. A, he's a disgusting human being. Wait, I um, want to say something quickly. Yara comes to the studio a little bit later than everyone else and she's wearing a very cute outfit. It's very hip. You know, like girls are wearing like tight bandeau tops and just like trouser style, like, you know, like really relaxed fit. Um, situations i thought it was really really cute i just want to like call that out um and then also when angela comes to the studio i swear to god she has a bag that looks like it's like a jojo sawa bag you know what i'm saying i was like where the f- is this one of your like great this is one of your grandchildren's bags honey you like stole one of your grandchildren's like dance class bags and you're now you're now at the studio you're at the studio now with it uh, did you notice how nice she was to everyone? Like as yes. far as the, 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 uh, not the cast, but the, um, crew, like yes. the crew, she's like, I was like, oh my God, this is the other side of her. This is the side where they're like, listen, Angela might be a bitch. And when she gets on that stage, but back here, she says, thank you. And hello. She greets everybody. And if she knows you, even if she's walking by you, she sticks her hand out and grabs your shoulder to, to give it a squeeze and say, Hey, Hey darling, how you doing? And I was like, wow, she, and then that person who was like helping her walk back and forth, <laughs> like she had some guy whose shoulder she was like arm she was holding to help her walk from like the green room to the stage. Cause she'd actually put on some shoes. <laughs> so, <laughs> cause when she first came out, when she was fuck you to Usman, she uh, didn't have any, she had on slippers. So um, Ed then says that yesterday was the worst day of his life. And Liz was like, uh, no, you've had other days. Uh, so let's move on from that. So <laughs> worst days. I'll tell you who had a really, really bad day. Your mom on your birthday. Yeah. Can you imagine? I'm sorry. Right. I'm going to be this really mean. Why am I being this mean? Because I hate him. I hate him so much. And his thing is like, he, I just, I don't like anyone who treats people horribly. And then, yeah, it's like, if you look like that and do the, and do it, it's just comical. It's, it's like, it's comical. You are a hideous troll that, that treats people like a hideous troll would. And you don't deserve anything. I mean, Ed, can you imagine how many times and how many awkward, you know, like situations pre this show that ed try to hit on women and would just have everyone be like uh, and just now he gets liz who in every which way in normal life is a lovely nice basic woman and yet for ed she is aphrodite i mean like my god you'll ne- i mean like you should be so happy she's young she's like beautiful i mean jesus are you insane you know and for to have him at all treat her like she's not valuable is overwhelmingly hard for me to deal with when he is so truly hideous and monstrously angry angrily mean so moving on well sorry 
let's God, move on to Kim. Um, we're back on, we're on stage and at this point and Kim is, it's her segment with Usman. She's kind of nervous about what everyone's going to say, because of course she knows people are going to tell her she's being stupid and she's going to have to defend herself and, and look stupid while doing that. So, um, like Sean starts to ask her questions. Like, are you guys together? And she's like, we're not together. Do I still love him? Do yes. Do I want him to be happy? Yes. Do I still call and talk to him every day? Yes. Uh, do I still smell his clothes? Yes. Do I mm -hmm. still send him money? Yeah. Like everything that you could possibly say. Yes, 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 yes. But this guy is my best friend. And I was like, what about those two biddies that you didn't were on the show with before? They're not your friends. Like all of a sudden this man is coming to your life and every, and then we find out that they have been talking for three years. Has it been three years? This yeah. is like, the crazy it's been three years since baby girl Lisa is wild. Um, and so then we just hear her saying like, you know, this person is different when, you know, when he's just me and him. And I'm like, that's a red flag girl. If someone only shows you kindness and sweetness when no one is around and at 5am, like that is a red flag. They are using you as some kind of emo emotional support doll or whatever. And it's not a two way street because you're there for him in that way but he's never going to be there for you in public. And if he is, he's going to let you know that he's kind of grossed out being next to you because he doesn't like how big you are, your face, or the way you walk. So like, ooh. <laughs> like, I mean, it's just like, it's so obvious. And so then Jamal comes out and is like, mom, like he played the fuck out of you. And she was like, let me be clear. I ended this. And I'm like, girl, you didn't. We watched it. We watched you get mad, make a bold choice, and him just be like, cool, I'm is my way out. Great, I don't have to do this. Uh, because I'm gonna say now, I'm gonna pivot and just move my way out of it. This is like a tactic, it's a classic tactic that he has used. And everyone is saying it on stage to her. And she's like, no, you guys don't know the real him. And I'm like, I don't care about the real him. I want the person that we see in front of us that that is using you in the way he did and then jamal says the thing that needed to be said but he changed it i think i feel like someone might have told him to say it he says he stayed with you mom to make to continue to make himself relevant and instead of saying it's because he wanted to be on this show mom he you know he knows he needs the 90 day fiance fans if you if you guys aren't together like no one's going to be remembering him if he's gone yeah, absolutely. And also, when Jamal comes out, I'm, I know we're talking about his mom, but the last time we saw Jamal in the 90-day universe was the single-life tell-all, right? As Jamal being a big-ass surprise, as being with Veronica, and Jamal came out like a different character altogether than the Jamal that we've ever met, where he was, like, really cocky and kind of, like, Jamal Suave a little bit, which was like the dumbest ever. And I don't really understand that. So in this tell all, I'm like low key also waiting for Sean to be like, by the way, Jamal, what's happening with Veronica? Does she? Nope. As if that never happened, as if she didn't with her own green contact eyes herself and those biceps, which by the way, I'm working on Sean, I'm coming for those guns, but not yet. She saw them. That happened. I just can't believe that she never was like, by the way, remember the time we saw you and you're with this woman? Everything about that? I just, nope. No update there. <laughs> shocking. Uh, <laughs> it's just a shocking thing for four, four parts. You're going to have someone come out that's in the universe on ask. I'm just sorry. Well, I'm just like, I'm just, anyway, go on. Um, uh, you're right. I just don't know necessarily um, if time-wise when all of that happened like it was it linear i don't know in the world of yes but in the actual world was it linear i don't know um but anywho but i would have loved for her to ask that question for sure for sure um so then uzman starts talking about how he he loves her and we're like no you don't love her you don't love her in, in in the Western ideal of love where you're in love with somebody and you can't imagine your life without them. Like you love her as a friend because she's been there for you and supported you and you can't help but do so because she's a great person. But he's like, but I had sex with her. And everyone's like, yeah, you could have sex with anybody. And he's like, no, you have to only have sex with people you love. And we're like, no, that is not how that actual works. So we don't know what you're talking about, but he's like, you know, he's like, it's cultural differences. Like come to the North of Nigeria, like in the North of Nigeria, we only have sex with women we love. Okay. Is that what, it, yeah. I was like, what happens North of Nigeria? Is it like, is it just like, 
it's the most important women with my you know like i was like oh okay it's the it's where it's the house up community yeah i um i have always wondered a little bit about usman's like yeah you have a bit of his gender and sexual or like sexuality stuff right because it's like and in this moment, it's very interesting that he's like, oh, no, you can't have a, uh, sex with a woman, you know, like, unless you love her. And it's like, are you saying, are you, okay, do you mean love and attracted? Do you mean attracted? You know, like, do you mean attraction? Uh, or do you mean love? Because, like, so you're going to tell me that you love baby girl Lisa. You loved baby girl Lisa. Loved her? <laughs> I mean, I was gonna okay, okay. A B. He wants to prove that, but it's like it's like it feels like he thinks that he's trying to prove his attraction to Kimberly. Like, oh no, I like her. You know, I had sex with her. That you know, it worked. Yami went up. I don't know, but you know, like I'm assuming that yes, his Yami went up and was a strong, forceful Yami to to have fun times with Kimberly. And I made it as easy as possible to say that for you. Why? You you give me a face as if, as if I was going to like slaughter someone on the screen. But like, so I think that, you know, I think that parts of him ex- enjoyed sexual encounters with her, you know, like. Yeah. But, yeah. You know, like, I think that that's true. I don't, you know, I think that he, you know, I think that maybe he's talking a little bit about that, but what is hard to understand is like, are you in love with her in a romantic way where there's soulmatey kind of vibes and you feel like they're, you know, indebted to her, like in, in some kind of way. And, and I also understand that to maybe not be an, a uh, non-Western idea of love. I don't think it is, you know? And so he's like, I can see the rest of my life spending with her. I enjoy, I enjoy moments with her in the morning and at night. We talk, we have fun times, we giggle. You know, I've seen her enough years that it feels like we have a connection. Like, I wonder what love means to him, you know? Like, but also, okay, we're going to get, let me go on. So we're going to now talk about Usman and Kimberly. As we said, one huge crutch of Kimberly is that she's going to die on the hill, that it means a whole ass thing, that she ended the relationship and that Usman being willing to continue the relationship meant that he loved her and that she did the hard thing by stopping it and he would still be with her if that wasn't the case. Now, we're also going to go back in time and replay the scene between Usman and that hot young piece that his mom tried to like set him up with, right? And it's the everything we know. Like, you know, he goes, he talks to her, he tells her that he's in a relationship and she's like, no, you got to marry me first. Surely not. That I would be the second wife. Surely not, honey. And we're like, <laughs> also her eyeliner, great. And then, yes, what happened at the end of that scene, which we all know because it aired is that he asked for the number and he put it in. Now, fast forward to this moment now at the tell-all. Kimberly watches that and is like, what? Wait, what? Wait, you got her number? And it's like, wait, did you watch? I'm sorry, did you watch the YouTube version of the like hack version of the show? I don't see, you didn't see that scene because it happened. We all watched it on Discovery Plus, girl. Get get yourself a Discovery Plus network. Password, go ahead. Notoriously, they filmed the tell-all halfway through the season so perhaps that episode hadn't aired yet so that she could see that also the second thing that is crazy about that or the first thing number one is like that is the that is that is the thing that broke the camel's back you didn't think that he would ever talk to her again or you something about exchanging numbers just like blew your gasket he went to go meet a beautiful young lady that his mother set him up with of course he's gonna go talk to her they live in the same bloody town or even if they don't, she lives in the same town as his mother. Why is this the thing? And also, you're not with him right now. So you're over here crying as though he's cheated on you, but you knew he was looking for a second wife. So I don't understand what conversation we're having. Jamal has to get up and give his dumbass mama a hug. And then this is where I, as somebody, I like, I just have... I. I would have never, I would never be in this position with my parents. I don't have any idea what it's like to be my parents' emotional support person. And like, I, in that moment, I felt for Jamal because I don't think, and you know, this is no judgment on any of you guys who are this person for your parents. It's just so foreign to me 
that I, I am like, oh no, I wouldn't want to have that responsibility to like, you know, have to hug your mom and be like, it's okay, girl. It's just, it's me and you, you'll be fine. You know what I'm saying? Cause especially if you had to do that with her, with your own dad, how your own dad cheated her and treated her and did stuff like that. Like, it just feels like it's a lot of, it just feels like it's a lot of pressure mm -hmm. to put on. Oh, um, it is. It is. But you know what's so funny? It absolutely is, but it's incredibly relatable. I bet you a lot of, I, I think that happens a lot. Yeah. It's so a lot. That's why I'm trying to be sensitive about it. I'm not judging the situation. It's just a different experience than me. And I, in that moment, I recognized it and I was like, oh, that your would be hard. Married. Yeah. Your parents are married and you have siblings in such a way that like, they're whether, yeah, if you're a single fucking parent and you have one child. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so not to talk about fucking Ed and Liz again, but this is the stupidest thing. And this, cause they keep making it dumbass. Liz is wearing a ring because she says she feels weird without it. So she put on a band. Okay. I don't want to say it anymore. Ooh, go ahead. Say it. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, wasn't, I When that happened, I was like, oh, that could have been cutting room floor, but the producers put that in. Yeah. They just wanted I mean, us. Like, and then, oh, that was that's asinine, but it's, it's in here. And the producers made the choice to put it in. Okay, yep, 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 yep. Ed then goes and tries to attack Jenny because he hasn't attacked her yet. Um, she's the other older woman in his age range that he doesn't respect because she's not beautiful. So he goes to attack her and she's really bad at like coming back at him with shit. I mean, it's just like tripping over her tongue. It's like it does her tongue doesn't work, you know? The only person she knows how to tell like, off. You're hideous, Ed. Look at you, you're hideous. I wish every female was like, Ed, literally, I'm not gonna even talk to you. You are the dumbest, ugliest thing ever. You don't deserve an opinion. I just wish like Yara had said, I wish that all of the females had gathered together and be like, okay, hands in the middle. Not one of us are going to pay any fucking attention to Ed. If he even says anything, just pretend it's like one or the other. I mean, look <laughs> at him. He's hideous. He doesn't make a difference in this world. So let's not pretend he does. <sighs> okay, all right. So. Next scene is Bilal and Shida. And we get some like extra shit from them about going to an herbalist. And Bilal gets uncomfortable because the herbalist tries to tell him about edging. And then he like, I just like, okay, I get it. Edging is, is a very, uh, I know the term. It's it it is. <laughs> I know. I know the it's term. It's, it's a I've thing, heard okay? of the term. So <laughs> I know it. Um, yeah. Um, and so he gets really uncomfortable, and then they start making stupid jokes. It's like, Chris, do you ever do you ever like find yourself around normal people? Not normal people. Do you ever find yourself around people who are not artists, and then just be looking left and right when they say stupid things or, or like? I don't know. Go ahead. Go ahead. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. All the time. Uh, okay. Yes, all the time. Okay. So I am not, not, I work. Right. And most of those people are not, are not, um, artists. I work with a bunch of people, but I'm, because I'm HR, I don't, I'm not privy to a lot of untoward or like non-leftist conversations. <laughs> like I'm, I'm, I'm sheltered in a way that the people who I have, like, detailed conversations with are all people who are not homophobic who are very pro women who are like very pro like all sexualities and the binaries and like not you know all that stuff like so when I get around people who like say things like that's gay I'm like oh are, am I in 2001 like I feel like I've just been transported back in time to when PC was different I mean I totally know what you're talking about. Did someone say that's gay? No, I'm just saying like, that's what oh, Bilal man. reminds me of. It's like, he's so, I don't know. There's, I could not hang out. I could not have a, I could have a conversation with him, but like the moment that he, like him and Ed, like the moment that they would make like some kind of racist or like chauvinistic joke or something, like it would just completely throw me for a loop because I'm not used to being around that energy. Oh, I totally know what you're saying. Now, I'm going to give you this. Ed would make the joke, but I don't think Bilal would ever make the joke. I don't think he even is, is funny. I will tell you this. I think it's hilarious and very telling that we had a whole ass scene of Bilal and Shida going to an herbalist who looked like a very funny character, and they get to even talk about edging, and the scene is still so boring because Bilal <laughs> has no humor whatsoever that they're like, oh, it's unusable. What an unusable scene, but they try and throw it in to make this four part, four part, no limits, just even, even more, more ridiculous. Horrible. And the way he talks oh, wait, about the herbalists. I want to talk about one thing. Go ahead. I'll tell you who also, besides Wah, 
Guess also who had heard of the term edging before? Andre. Yeah. No, I know it. I'll die. No, I know it's when you bring yourself almost to climax, but you don't do it. No, it's good for it'd be like, honey, Andre knows. Did I did I not tell you that him and that him and Libby have good sex? He smacks it up and flips it down, rubs it down. Oh no! Like that man is probably like, yes, I want to please my wife. Let's have some good sex. Like I just, oh my god, I'm so happy for her. I disagree. I don't know if he eats her out. Great. Anyway, so I don't know what happens, and that's why it makes me feel like I'm not gonna say that he. I don't know. I mean, you know, I don't know what I don't know what they're. I don't know what's happening there. Also, there's a Bilal moment against Andre talking about you know. So now they're talking about sperm and you know like He's how like, pro would. I don't need it. Yeah. So you know, like Andre's like you know maybe you should try, and Bilal's like I still have a couple more kids than you, friend. You know, which I also thought was. Honey, put that Andre in his place. But I then, just, okay, so then it gets even worse. So that's the good part of the Bilal Shida. And then it gets into the part that was already fanning herself when she's really fucking pissed. Can you and tell I it? Can you know tell what it? Happened. Okay. You don't? But I was going to say that, but you do it. You do it. Go no, ahead. I said, can you tell it? Oh, although you said, I don't. Okay. Uh, so I, this is what's confusing to me. Suddenly, like, we have someone here, surprised to give their opinion. Okay. And I am half in, half out. And it's this guy who I can't even tell you who his... Okay. Well, I just need your help. Who is this guy? Bilal's friend. Did we ever meet him? No. Right! Right! I screamed. Right. Like, I was like... What? Why are you... Why are you... Why are you... But he's on... Okay, so I will tell you this man. Looks like... Uh, like an he he's giving like Andrew Tate or who was that guy that died? Remember Kevin? When we were... Kevin. Yeah, yeah. Like he, he's with a microphone and it looks like he does YouTube studio work all the time. He's in some, you know, in like it looks like he's trying to like always be given his opinion for like a very small amount of people that like you know wants to listen to it. Well, I wanted to say something. What do you want to say? No, I just want to say that I feel like the reason why he was on the show was because Bilal said, "Well, I need to have a friend too." Then that's that's the only thing i can think of someone who's who can help me explain what i'm trying to say and then again here comes massage noir which is a very specific type of um misogyny in the black community and i mean listen i am all for a woman who wants to be submissive to her husband in and outside of the bed but that is a very specific coupling and situations i do not think that it should be the norm for heteronormative relationships. If if your religion dictates it and it works for you, then you're then it's good. If it doesn't, then you're on my unorthodox life and you get out of that religion. That stops that stops that from happening. So like I guess I'm just saying that this man comes on here and then belittles uterus by basically giving go ahead Go ahead. So yeah, then they bring Nutris on. Okay, so this man starts babbling and he's screaming in his mind like a shock jock. I mean, he's horrible. Okay, and then like and then Nutris comes on and we you know Nutris very tight mouth and blinky blinks. Okay, and like I you know Nutris I grew to love, but what also is truly abhorring is every time Nutris starts to talk, this man interrupts her and starts talking over her over her and sean no one says like excuse me Bilal's friend that we don't care about well go ahead and just stop your video if you talk over uterus one more time but for some reason that didn't happen so uterus just has to come on and like talk about everyone's okay so this is what happened so then we play the uterus scene where you trust my loves, right? Like after talking to Bilal, like has a conversation with Shy, where she's like, I talked to Bilal and Bilal wants to have kids. And all you got to do is just like not take your birth control and you get to have kids or whatever. And then Shy, of course, is like, oh, I forgot to tell you. It's not the birth control that I'm taking. It's the birth control that he decides to put on his penis every night because he really hates the sound, the, the feeling of my beautiful warm gush. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's what it is. Okay. And we were all shocked, right? And Nutris was too. And so coming back out of that scene in, in the studio everyone goes in on uterus like oh, that's the shittiest advice possible and how could you how could you give advice to had to make a couple like you know like have a baby which is you know so much of it is so interesting because you know i come from a judeo-christian background right and and islam is not a judeo-christian background right so obviously i know that but you know when it comes to like 
Christianity, Catholics for sure, and definitely Christians, at least at some fundamentalists, like don't believe in birth control, right? Like the only birth control you can do is the natural family planning, which is basically like, am I on my period? Then the week after, you know, I'm good. And the week after that, I'm fertile. And the week out, you know, whatever it is, that's it. But it's interesting because for so many people, like birth control in itself is like, you're not supposed to take it. Now, I think obviously you should take it, but I'm just saying for heavily religious people, birth control is uh, going against human nature, change, you know, either the pill changing the body or whatever. So having said that, maybe that is a way, maybe, maybe, maybe there is a thing where it's like, if you wear a condom, but you're not on birth control, the condom is like a fine thing. But the truth of the matter is in some that's blocking what should be happening, which is the point of sex for a lot of religions, which is human reproduction which of course negates the pleasure of sex and the fact that you can also have sex not in a relationship and not try to make a baby but thusly the patriarchal religions in which we were born into this this says this which is why it's interesting yeah they just come at uterus for just basically being like don't take your birth control for this woman who's already married which i feel like also let two women have a conversation and don't insert your like viewpoints in a two-woman conversation. I don't know. I re- Obviously, I hated that too. But I also hated this man yelling at Uterus and talking over her and, and like Uterus not getting a word in Edgerise and no one saying anything. It was a horrible segment. Horrible. Yes. I do agree that, that Uterus saying that she should stop taking birth control pills is, is a wrong, right? Because it's the same thing as stealthing. It's like, it's just someone has told you they don't want children and you are not adhering or like listening to them on that. And I do think that as a standard, in order to ensure that I be clear and consistent with any other kind of deception, I'd have to, on principle, say no, say, tell her, say that that advice is faulty. So it's the same way that like I vote the way I do because on principle, I can't allow certain things to happen, even though I may feel like certain things shouldn't happen. Like it's just, it's just that kind of mentality with it. So my problem is, is that he, then this, this man, Christopher begins to attack uterus as a single woman. And he says things that men love to say these types of men, like Kevin Samuels, that, Oh, how can, how can you be listening to a woman who doesn't have a husband as though having a husband is what gives this woman value. And it's, again, it falls into misogynoir. It falls into the patriarchy for me. It's all the same thing. It's like, I can't pick and choose which one, like I can't. Yeah. Anyway. So it just really frustrates me that this thing was allowed to happen, especially amongst black people on television, where I want to be respectful of anyone's religious religion, anyone's culture cadence. I want to be respectful of all of it. But when it, when brass tacks and knuckles, it comes down to beating up a black woman because she's not married and or stepping over her because because and we don't know if she's single we don't know if she's married we have actually no idea and i wish i don't know what it is but like it would be such a punch in the face if she's like i am married you know but but that should neither here be here near here nor there and it just really frustrates me i don't i don't like it like i just think it feeds into dangerous things when we make blanket statements about how women should be and i'm like women are just like men, just like any human, we come in all different shapes and sizes. And it's to our detriment to put things in boxes and say, this is how you should behave. And the reason why I guess I fight against it so much is because a lot of my internalized hate of women is from that kind of rhetoric that I was raised with, specifically from my church. And so it took, it take, it's taken a long time for me to undo certain ideals and move through life in a way that creates a space for someone like me to exist peacefully when I remove these ideals of like, of course I'm going to take like, you know, uh, whatever. Anyways. So let's move on. Cause I gotta go. Uh, <laughs> go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. But I, 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 didn't, no, I had not heard of massage noir. So I think that that's like massage. It's what you're saying. I know. Okay. You're saying misogyny, but just say it, it's, it's not massage. Is it massage noir is what you're saying? No, it's, it's, I'm trying to say misogyny and noir in the same thing. So like, like massage noir. Instead of misogyny, massage and then noir black. So it's like a very mm-hmm. pointed 
way of of like this thread this like kevin samuels like you know women are the problem when women used to be married or when they didn't have to work they families survived better like i don't know if there's this whole conversation happening on the internet within the black community about how independence has changed the black family and it's the black woman's fault because she now can work and so there's this like push for black women to stand down and to not be strong, which is maybe sometimes why I push back on you sometimes when you say things and it has nothing to do with you. It has to do with like a, a through line that's happening in our community. So for that, I absolutely apologize to you for that. Um, it's a through line that's happening in our community that, you know, well, if black women weren't so mean and, and weren't so strong, then they would be married right now. And it's the black woman's fault that the black man doesn't, da, da, da. it's like this whole thing that's happening. And it just bothers me when we have to be fed into that because that's not the truth. There's so many other factors that are happening in this world. And like, there is nothing wrong with women working and any, and like being strong and like, and it's not, it's, it's not even women, it's people. If we start to think of everyone as just individuals and not, uh, not throw characteristics on them based on their gender, then we wouldn't, I, I think women wouldn't have it so hard. I don't know. Anyways, I see so. what you're saying. I, I see what you're saying. I just, I see what you're saying. And I, was, I think the difference is one difference between us. And I know we have some similar things. And one thing is, I always think the problem is the men. Like, I think that <laughs> feminism has, I always thought feminism, ha feminism, the ways of feminism happened and men could not rise to the occasion of being stronger, better people. They just collapsed. I mean, it's unbelievable. And I think that what I will finally say is this. I am obviously because I talk about it a lot, a cisgender heterosexual person. And I, I love and appreciate the entire spectrum. And so for just the majority of the relationships I will, like, I can feel like related to would be those that fall in the category. And in and, and most of the couples we're talking about also. Um, and in that case, I think that sometimes feminism happened um, in, uh, for some women who feel like they have to go and like get a whole ass career and maybe don't feel like as comfortable there as and as maybe like being at home and or feeling like housework isn't a career and or people look down on them or whatever and so i think that there's also a, a whole side of that and i also think that um when it comes to like a ha happy healthy couple it isn't like one man being able to make all the decisions i feel like maybe someone at old school the woman and the men work together and the woman actually like is the neck and she kind of the guy maybe thinks that he like calls the shots but like 100 percent it's the woman all the time anyway moving on so um let's go back to this so after this horrible situation and then and then getting them mad at everyone um uh we go back to jenny we kind of like get back into sumit and jenny you know because again this day was supposed to be a lot about kimberly and usman and sumit and jenny and Bilal and shy which is so funny because we do have that but we still have so much of like yeah and no neck. <sighs> crazy so um <clears throat> let's get into that you know like one thing that sean asked jenny and sumit which i thought was really great is like hey do you guys feel like you're in a codependent relationship and jenny was like mm-hmm and <laughs> he does everything for me and i was like oh shit she knows honey jenny is living her best fucking life and in that moment i said oh she said no i'm gonna die i'm gonna die with this man waiting on me hand and foot it it's weird that i got with him when i was 53 and he was 23 but no I'm, I am the happiest of my friend groups. And as much as I threatened that I might come back to the US and I miss my family, low key, I don't miss them enough because they're not gonna take care of me the way he is. So like, yeah, if he wants to come to the US, sure. But if he says no, I'm not gonna come to the US without him. She like definitively said, you know, she played the game throughout the story that she might go home because she misses her family and blah, blah, blah. But the truth is, is like, no, she's like, why would I leave this paradise where this man waits on me hand and foot, and he actually derives pleasure from the act of servicing her, which is a kink, Chris. They are in a fucking kink, kinky ass relationship. Maybe their sex isn't kinky, but their relationship dynamic is 100% kink. He derives pleasure off of seeing her happy that he brings her her chai in the morning. Well, God damn it, I would stay too. I would put myself through, I would, yes, absolutely. I'm moving to India. And to have this at the la latter part of her life, 
when like so her her kids and her grandchildren can live their lives and she can just stay here with that and the best part about it was angela was like girl he can live a whole life after you die <laughs> i i want to think like well, of course like yeah jenny does not want him to ever have a job honey he already does you know I yeah um so then we also of course get sumit's family to video in and it's sumit's brother sumit's sister-in-law who has now become the spokesman of the of the family i mean and, thank you it's like yeah feminine, as a dad. feminism at its finest is this woman sitting in the middle <laughs> mm -hmm. uh and of course who's not there sumit's mom so uh we get a little update sumit's sister-in-law is like you know what we hang out it's me jenny it's sumit and sumit's brother we like hang out we talk we like kiki a little bit we like you know we you know it's fine it's chill you know like in this moment Sumit's sister-in-law is still not going to be like, I love Jenny and I wish they could get together and be happy with the, like, she's, it's still cold. Okay. It's still like, she says they get together, but it isn't like, I don't feel like they're having fun. They're definitely not karaoke together and they're definitely not like getting drunk together. There's no like moments where there's like true connection and fun. It feels like probably Jenny sits there a lot and watches them as they talk in a different language, you know? Um, so then there's Sumit's dad's there. And then Sean like, has to ask some questions like, hey, Sumit's dad, like what's happening with Sumit's mom? You know, like I don't see that she's there. And yeah, she's not there. And he's like, yeah, because Sumit's mom is like still not into it. But uh, don't worry. She's like, she'll see her son and we'll talk sweetly to him. <laughs> yeah, I felt, didn't you find it so interesting? And it, it made me like, kind of want this family dynamic. I love the fact that this daughter-in-law is like staunchly in the family. Like in the in the in the in the US, sometimes daughter-in-laws, especially like yeah, sometimes daughter-in-laws are not like if the mother has a problem with her son's wife that she's not like in the mix in this like okay, like give an example like, like Justine. Yeah. Like, no, Justine and Michael and the, the friction with the mother. Like, in India, the mother is so integral to the choosing of the woman that his her son marries because that woman is indoctrinated into the, is absorbed into the, the familial household in a way where there has to be harmony because she's in there. And so while there might be, like, these friction and this tension that is, like, occurs when two women, women are supposed to share a domicile and then at some point one woman's supposed to take over and the other woman's just supposed to convalesce into old age. Like, but you get what I'm saying? Like I said, wow, in the US it would be very rare that, not rare, but like it's not as common that you see the mother-in-law and the daughter-in-law like as one best friend, not best friend, but like one actively moving unit. And, it, and it's, it's standard, right? In the US we don't have a standard of that. It can very well be that a, a man will marry a woman that his mother hates, <laughs> which is what Jenny did. And that's why Jenny is such a disruptor to their cohesiveness. This is why they're fighting the way they're fighting, because technically Jenny should be absorbed into um, the mother's household. And she's supposed to teach her how to be a wife. It's it's a part of the process that the mother-in-law teaches the daughter-in-law how to take care of the house, how to take care of the men folk. And then it's her, the daughter-in-law's jobs to take care of. And Jenny disrupts that because she's going to die before anyone. And now they've brought this old person who is not going to clean, who's not going to learn how to make the chai, who's not going to be another like leg on the three-legged stool of the three women in the home. She's not going to contribute to that at all in that way. And it just disrupts the family dynamic. And so it's like, when we have family events, should Jenny be invited? And the answer is no, because we're just going to be staring daggers at her the whole time when we see her lazy ass not get up and make chai. Sumit's not supposed to bring her chai. She's supposed to bring Sumit chai. You know what I'm saying? It's like that kind of thing. And I was for the first time saw it very clearly. Also, I think about this. She's not saying also the mom that like, she doesn't want to hear from all her friends how she must have given birth to a crazy devious sexy kinky sexy six sex kink deviant you know like as you just said she knows it she's like and her friends talk about it and so she knows it so anyway um besides that <clears throat> after the, the we also get into this 
little recap of the conversation Sumit had the last time we saw him and his family, which was like him trying to like low-key be like, kids, can I have all about kids? You want me to have kids? I'll have kids. I got kids. I got kids coming out of my pores. Kids, kids, can't wait to have kids. Been thinking my whole life about the kids I want to have. Can't wait to have them. And she can't either. Jenny just can't wait to take care of them for the rest of her life. Jenny loves kids. You know, like, and then of course, Jenny like watches that. She's like, no, you should not have told your family that. You know, like, because it's just like, She's like, he does not want kids. He's never wanted kids. We've talked about the fact that he doesn't want kids. He's just saying that to pacify them. The whole city audience is like, especially Usman, who like, there's a connection there. It's like, no, if he wants kids, it's because he wants kids. You know, like, and it, it, it's a cultural thing where it's like, well, my man must want kids, you know? But and Sumit gets to kind of sit in the middle and be like, I don't really want kids, but if I can make them talk and not talk about how what a sexual deviant kinky freak I am, great, you know. Want chai, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it it is, yeah. It, Uzman was very much. You don't understand. He needs his his parents' support, and I'm like, thank you, Uzman, for coming through and like letting us know that there's just it's just such a different way of life, and like. I mean, besides all the barriers and the roadblocks and the, like forcing of living with your mother-in-law and having to like run the house the way she wants you to run them, I would be down. Like, I would love to know that if I married somebody, I was moving into a home and a family that was there to surround me and support me and that I would have like support with kids, support with rearing the house. Cause like the, one of the most daunting things to me, like when I think of stay at home moms, when I watch them on TikTok is like, girl. I barely have time to do things and I'm single with no kids. My, I'm like, I can't even imagine what it would be like with kids. And then to do it on your own, like where your husband's gone and you're just at home so that you have to clean, keep the house clean and you have no help. Oh, like, I'm like, no, I would need the nanny. I would require the housekeeper. Like these are the things that I would require because I, it's daunting. Anywho. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. It is daunting. And um, I want the housekeeper, but I don't mind uh, taking care of my kids. And also I have family that will help. So let me say this. So then the dad basically, then Sean's like, okay, dad, Sumit's dad. Like, and it's like, how many times can you ask him as parents if they'll give a blessing, you know? And like, they're already married, which they already made that perfectly clear. So Sumit's dad, like, fine. Like, they have my blessing, which I've already said on camera two seasons ago. And so did my wife, but she took it back. Here's my blessing. Here, you can have it. I don't care. Like, they make it like a big thing. Like, oh, great. Now that happened. As if it means anything, Sumit's mom's not there. Doesn't give a shit. So then we're now gonna like, you know, everyone's whatever. And okay, first of all, can you say where I am? Where I am, it's raining. Guess where it's also now raining? Nigeria. I don't know why Sean asked because they're in a studio. So I don't know if it's like, I don't know if it's a shanty studio, honey. And it's like, there's a tarp. And so you can really hear the rain, but suddenly Sean's like, is it raining? And then they come, they cut to Michael and you do hear like, remember, remember when you used to do this? Do you ever do this as a kid? Like that's that. And then, oh wait, no, is that, is that like a friction thing? Where you like make rain sounds Oh no! I'm like this is that. like one way rain sound and like twinkle, 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 and then like. <sighs> anyway, I don't know why I'm doing this. The rain sounds, rain sounds of where Michael is, and then it's like this: is it raining? Conversation is then to open up the truth that Michael and Usman are filming the tell-all with them in the same area. Like we didn't talk about that, which is not just the same area, but. They're, this is where it gets confusing. Michael tells Angela that they're in a similar studio, Usman and Michael, but that they are staying in different hotels. But for some reason, Angela's like, you're lying to me, Michael. I know you're staying in the same hotel. You're not to talk to Usman. And Usman's like, Angela, if he wants to talk to me, who are you to tell me that you're not? And then we have this more Angela and Usman thing. And it goes back to Usman being like, look, when I first met you, Angela, I was like, hey, Angela, what's up? And you were like, scammer! And I just was like, fuck this bitch. I'll never talk to this bitch again. Which I guess is like half of the Usman-Angela thing. And also Usman now has been like very much told by the whole studio cast that they all think that A, he has never loved Angela. I'm sorry, that Usman never loved Kimberly and that was a, that what he was scamming Kimberly, that it felt like he was scamming her. So like having the Angela call him a scammer, all of it is like very upsetting for him. Why? 
Yeah, so it is weird that anybody would not assume that they are in the same hotel because they are both in not not only like and I'm not saying just because they're in both in Nigeria. Nigeria is a big ass country, but we see that he's in we 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 hear him tell us he's in Lagos. Like when, he, when the tell all part one many moons ago, Usman says, "I am here. I'm now in Lagos," and we know that Michael lives either in Lagos or very close to Lagos. So when, when Usman said he was in Lagos, that means that production flew him to Lagos so that he could film the tell-all. And why the fuck would they give him a room in a completely different hotel if they're filming the exact same show? So it's like, I, the way Michael describes it is like, we know we are in the same location, but different. And I'm like, what he's trying to describe is what did we see? Cause we see Michael exit his room. So what it is is that he's in his room and or in a space in this, like what doesn't look like a hotel. It looks like a duplex or something like a house, like several houses or whatever. He, he walks um, down the steps onto the like paved stone cobble, whatever streets or like driveway. And then he just walks to the other side of the hotel, which is where Usman is to have a conversation with Usman after Angela already told his punk ass to not go over there and do that. But before that, they end the tell-all because there's a bunch of yelling and then Angela gets, you know, walks off the set and she's like, take your mic off, take your mic off. Cause I want to call you, take your mic off. Cause I want to call you. So we think that they're about to have some private secret conversation where like TLC is going to have to like shove a camera through a crack in order to be able to see or hear what's going on. No, I don't know why she doesn't want him mic'd up when she fully allows the camera crew to go into her little caped area, her like draped off area. So that she could yell at Michael about the fact that, She's like, I don't want you talking to Usman. Like he's a child. Like he, basically it's like Michael knows that if he talks to him, then he needs to be on my side and I'm going to, I'm going to end up, I don't know what the fuck. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, she, she, she has infantilized him. Like, you know, he can't have a job. He can't do this. Michael, this, I need to call him there, you know, like not allowing him social media not allowing him to like talk to people is you know it's very controlling and i guess we're not going to be talking about angela's incredibly abusive toxic controlling ways or more i guess this whole tell-all is about how michael is really horrible i guess we're supposed to really get on again i've already said this the angela is great and Bilal, what a fine catch bandwagon i guess is what the producers really want us to take home um yeah like usman opens the door okay Michael gets in the door of Usman. Usman opens the door and Michael just goes, like, he's walked over there just to go fuck off and then walk out. I don't even know what he did. I felt like it was a sound. It was a weird, oh, did you, it was a weird sound bite. It was a weird, like, weird edit. So I don't even know. And like, you know, I'm very weird. If I don't see the person's lips move and a sound and like, and it, it exacts what I hear, I feel like they've done some kind of um, editing uh, mojo and did you notice that it happened twice throughout the tell-all where they had and uh sean robinson's re-record something that she said and they just in, in inputted shots of the cast so we never saw sean's mouth move yeah, it happened, that happened twice and i was like oh that didn't happen and it's like it's <laughs> i was like oh maybe either she asked a different question or because people were yelling like she didn't they, they didn't catch it um, I also hated the way, like, technically, how they add pauses in where there's no pauses. Like, Sean will ask a, a hard-hitting question, and then it'll be, like, a pause. Yeah, like, you have with Jamal, right? I feel like he asked him, and, like, and then we got, like, a, like, a, it was, like, ask me a question. Do you like cheese? Last tell-all, I said here that cheese was going to hurt my mom, and I was going to have to pick up the pieces cheese left after cheese ruined my mom, and I was right. Cheese did that. It's, so what they do, this is the tactic. What they do is they, they let Sean ask the question, then they cut to the person as the person is looking at Sean, listening to her ask the question that they've already given to us in a soundbite. So what we're seeing is them look at Sean while she's asking the question. And that's why there's a pause. Not because like, it's like Kimberly. So are you with Usman? And she's like, and this is her looking at Sean, ask the question. No. Yeah. So then there's that pause when there wasn't a pause to make it seem like Kimberly didn't know whether or not she was going to say if she was with Usman or not. It's just like very weird. I agree. Yeah. It's, it's very weird. So, uh, this tell-all was, I mean, I know we talked about it for an hour and like, whatever. <laughs> How much we hated this tell-all. Uh, 
for an hour we talked about how much we really hated it. And I, I mean, for an hour I could I could still I could. This is why I knew it'd be salty because I knew I was gonna be really like angry and mean at at people and specifically Ed and um, but also the producers for doing this to us. I mean, learn a limit, learn a limit, learn a boundary. This is why you have to have limits and boundaries in your life. And if you didn't know, now you know from this tell-all. Um, next week will look very interesting um, as we round the bend and get to the final end of this hell hall. Hell hall? <laughs> I yeah, I was hall. like, wow, did you did you Freudian slip that? Yeah, a hall, honey, a hall hell of hell. hell. <laughs> um, but toe is happening, so we'll ab- absolutely have abs- uh, no rest uh, for the weary as we jump back into no limits to our time and patience for the 90-day universe. Um, if you want more of us, you're absolutely welcome to get it on our social medias where we give you more for free. We can't wait to do more work for free, please. Um, but like and follow us if you are... <laughs> If you're into that, we are at DocuSweeties on Instagram, DocuSweeties on TikTok, and DocuSweeties1 on Twitter. At the same time, if you really just want to like throw $10 into the air and have it land in our pockets, there's a way for you to do that. Wow, how? You can do that at patreon.com slash docusweeties. It's $10 a month to get our um, some exclusive content. Right now we've got like four episodes of one thing and one episode of one thing that's exclusive to Patreon. I'm only at this moment. Um, and Miss Cleo and Killer Sally, isn't it? Yeah, Miss Cleo and Killer Sally. I don't know when I'm going to drop it in the free feed. We have so much content coming up that I'm like, does it even make any sense Great to drop it? So um, it's it's all it's it's edited and ready to go, so it can be on a podcast at the moment's notice. Um, so, yeah, you should join us there. It's a good time. We're pro- we're gonna be giving more, them more content. We do a live every uh, first Monday of the month, and the next one will February not 5th. be on the sixth on February sixth. Is it sixth? Yeah, I'll be at Disneyland that day. Yeah. But I will work it out. But yeah, my live might be my live might be at Disneyland. We'll see. Yeah. So, um, so we do it every, the first, uh, Monday of the month, uh, where we go live and talk about a topic. Uh, it might be like Chris live at Disneyland this month, this month, not February. Um, but otherwise, you know, uh, thank you for all the support that you do give us. We ask that you rate this five stars that you share our podcast with any of your friends who enjoy podcasts or enjoy any of the shows that we are going to be talking about. Um, MILF Manor comes out on the 15th, which is today. I don't know if you're going to get this, you're, you are going to get this episode today and I've been trying to watch it and it's not on discovery plus. So I'm a little annoyed <gasps> that it didn't come out earlier in the day. Like I literally, the first thing I do when I wake up is I watch these shows for you guys. Saturday mornings are love after lockup and anything I needed to watch Sunday mornings are 90 day fiance and anything else that I need to watch. And I am bummed that they didn't give it to me early enough so that I could go live and talk to y'all about it. Anyway, oh, wow. Do you think it's, uh, well yeah i'll find out if it's just gonna be dropped tonight when it when it airs on i feel like it yeah i feel like they're just it's not yeah i feel like maybe it's not advantageous of of them to drop it early during the day but anyways we love you guys so much thank you so much for your support and we hope you guys have a great week Bye. bye